Ventree Bible Church, it is an absolute privilege to be with you this weekend. So glad that Libin flew me in all the way from McKinney, long ways <laughs> to be here. And uh, I believe that today's message is going to add value to your life. Um, and I believe that today's message is going to add value to your relationships. Before we jump into today's message, there are a couple things you need to know about me. First thing is this, is uh, I am married. This is a picture of my wife. Now, when people see a picture of my wife, they tend to think to themselves, how in the world did he get her? Let me explain. So when my wife and I were dating, I overheard her tell a friend that she thought it would be cool to get engaged and married on the same day. I had absolutely no idea what that meant. And so I guessed and began planning our wedding behind her back. Now, uh, I was in 11 weddings before I was ever in my own. Apparently, I was a good friend in college because people I barely knew kept asking me to be in their wedding. And at each wedding, I would bring my girlfriend along and I would take copious notes on what she liked and didn't like about each wedding. Three weeks before this surprise engagement and wedding was that 11th wedding. And the groom walks up to me and says, hey, I hear you're doing a surprise wedding. I said, keep your voice down. It's a surprise, okay? He said, hey, man, whatever you do, don't mess up the cake. I said, dude, it's just cake. It's not that big of a deal. He said, it's not just cake. I learned my lesson the hard way. You better get this thing right. I was like, okay. So I go over to my girlfriend at the time. I said, hey, babe, uh, you know, what, what, do you, what do you think about this cake? She goes, eh, it's okay. I got a better one on Pinterest. I didn't know what Pinterest was. I said, what's Pinterest? So I go to Pinterest and I type in my girlfriend's name and a board pops up entitled My Dream Wedding and it had 242 photos of everything that she would want in a dream wedding. And I thought to myself, this would have been helpful two years ago. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, June 7, 2013, I get down on one knee. I say, Amanda, will you marry me? She said, yes. So just kidding, will you marry me? Today And we opened up a lounge room door, and about 85 of our family and friends were standing in there with a sign that said, today, we rolled in a, a dress, hairstylist, makeup artist, everything that you would need to get engaged and married on the same day. We were engaged for a real long time, a solid 11 hours. Uh, had a friend document the whole thing. It's called The Surprise Wedding. You can watch that on, on YouTube a little bit later. And so engaged and married, same day, started the baby-making process right away, started having a family. This is a picture picture of my entire family. This is uh, Jackson in Roman. Jackson's here today. He's running around the church somewhere right now. I'm sure someone is watching him. Uh, he's eight years old, a little basketball player, and Roman is, is our four, four-year-old. Now, as, as Livin told you earlier, I get to wear a few different hats. I spend about 80% of my career in corporate America, speaking and coaching, and then about 20% of my career is teaching God's Word on the weekends. And so I I get an interesting perspective uh, in the marketplace and in the church to, to, to really see, to notice different challenges that I think we face as a society, as the church, as a city. And it's interesting. One of the things that I, I'm, I've just been navigating as what some people would call me as a pastorpreneur is I've begun to notice people are angry. <laughs> people be mad. And you sometimes just be like, why are you so mad? I mean, I get why you'd be mad, but you're like so mad. And then like, well, hold on to this bitterness thing. And, and so uh, today I just, I, I just want to let you know, I'm a prophet. 
Okay, I'm a prophet. In other words, I can predict the future. I can tell you something's coming and I'm going to prove it to you. Are you ready for my prophecy? Okay, 2024 is coming. You're welcome. You see, like I just, I just told you something's about to happen and, and there's going to be another election year and I'm going to, I'm going to keep prophesying. Are you ready? Somebody's going to win an election. Boom. Blew your mind. Okay. And potentially half of our country is going to be mad at the other half. And, and, and I just, I just want to let you know, you don't have to subscribe to a version of your life where you lose friends, family members, and colleagues every four years. I, I just wanna let you know, it's an option. It's a game you don't have to play. And I think we actually have a great opportunity to actually be a little bit different. In, in fact, I, I wanna submit an idea to you today that's called being unoffendable. It's not this idea that you never get offended. It's not this idea that you're impervious to what people say and do. It's this idea that you can get offended, but you don't have to stay offended. Because some people, they got offended in fifth grade. And there's something in their soul that's still there. And they bring it to work, and they bring it to Thanksgiving, and bring it to Christmas, and they're coming to your house. And I just want to prepare us for what's coming. And, and I think that there's something that Jesus has to say about this that I think changes the game for how we live. You might be here today. You might say, man, I'm not even a church person. Maybe you got tricked into coming today. Maybe your friend told you they were taking you to brunch. and say, hey, man, we just got to pull in this parking lot real fast. I got to say what's up to some friend. And you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. I just want to let you know, there is a version of your life where you can make a decision to be the kind of person that walks in forgiveness. I want to show you how. This is what Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew. He's, he's telling a story. Now, here's what happens. It says, then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Then he tells a story. He says, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children, and all that he had in repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground, prostrated himself before him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave, he felt compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But watch this. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him. You ever had somebody that owed you money that wanted to choke you over a Venmo transaction? It was just a cash app mishap. And now you're ready to choke him. That's what's going on here. And it's saying, pay back what you owe. But so his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to please him, saying, hey, man, have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. Never heard of a slave throwing another slave in prison, another summer for another day. But so when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoned him, his Lord said to him, 
you wicked slave. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? Here's Jesus painting a picture of what things are like in his house. This is how he does parables. He's going, hey, this is is what it's like in my house. I'll tell you what it was like in my house growing up. Um, I grew up with older parents. My father was 50 years old when I was born. So there was always five decades in between us. And so um, due to the margin of time between us, my parents very much leaned on me as their technology consultant. Uh, All things cable, internet, cell phones. If anything electronic broke, I got the phone call. I don't work for AT&T, okay? It's like I work at the mall at a shoe store. Like, I can't help you right now. But that, that was my parents leaned on me in, in that way. And so I always just had this like older picture of my parents like, okay, come on, like a, another thing. Like my parents would call me, uh, especially when I'm in meetings. And, and it, if you've got older parents, if they call you three times, you think somebody dead. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh my gosh, this is an emergency. I got to answer. Hey guys, I got to step out of this meeting. My mom called me three times. It must, must be a really, really big deal. So I step out of this meeting once. I say, hey mom, what, what, what's going on? She goes, uh, uh, nothing. I, 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 I just need a Jamal. I said, mom, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about, but I thought this was an emergency. I need to get back to work. Is everything okay? She goes, well, your sister, she, she said, that I need to get a Jamal. I said, Mom, I don't even know what a Jamal is. So I, I, you're going to need to call someone else. She goes, well, your sister said you have one. I said, Mom, I can't have something that I don't even know what it is. Like, that's impossible. She goes, Ryan, your sister said that I need to get rid of my AOL mail and get me a G-mall. I said, Mom, are you referring to Gmail? She goes, yeah, yeah, that's it. I go, no, Mom, like... If you need to get a hold of me, you can get, get a hold of me at ryanleak at jamal.com. It's Gmail for black people. You get it. Nevertheless, I'm just letting you know, my parents were old, okay? Like, there was always this thing. And one of the things that my parents were known for, my, especially my dad, because my dad, he had, a, he had a stroke when I was in the fifth grade. And he couldn't drive for the rest of his life. So we had to take him everywhere he wanted to go. But that wasn't an issue because my dad only wanted to go one place and one place alone. Walmart. My dad loved Walmart. My dad could go to Walmart for three hours, okay? Like, he just, he just, he got everything at Walmart. I'll never forget, I flew to Atlanta, surprised my parents. I walked through the door. I said, Dad, I'm home. He said, my son, you're home. Want to go to Walmart? I'm like, okay, like, it was good to see you too. Pack up the parents into this rental car. Take them to Walmart. Now, I have learned the art of taking my parents to Walmart. It is a craft. It is a skill that I have abhorred in my life. And so how you take your parents to Walmart is you pull into the hazards. Let them know you're in a hazardous situation, which means y'all got to hurry up, okay? We not going to be here all day. So I say, hey, I'll be right here. Y'all got 15 minutes. Mom comes back out 45 minutes later. All she has is some laundry detergent. I said, it took you 45 minutes to get some laundry detergent? And oh, by the way, where's dad? She said, I don't know. I lost him. I go, you lost dad? I need you to stay right here. Mom, don't go no 
where? I'm walking up and down every single aisle in Walmart. I said, this brother better have a cart full of stuff. He better have a dresser, a TV. I mean, this thing better be so full. I found my dad in the tile aisle. All he had in his cart was a Snickers bar and a two liter of ginger ale. I said, I'm about to blow this place up. We have been here for two hours. Dad, what are you doing? This is what he says. He goes, I'm looking for your mother. I said, I'm going to kill somebody. I'm going to kill somebody. This is driving me crazy. I said, we got to go. Like, let's go. Buy the stuff. We get outside, and you already know the rest of this story. My mama is gone. I said, listen, I am hurting cats right now. I'm calling my mom. She's not answering the phone. Nothing. Nothing. And then, all of a sudden, she just pulls up in the car that she has stolen from me, okay? I said, mom, you can't just be stealing rental cars. Well, where, where have you been? This is what she said. She goes, oh, I, I got thirsty. And so I just, just went down the street to a gas station to get something to drink. I said, Mom, do you know they have more beverages here than any other establishment in the city? We're at Walmart, all right? Like, I just wanted to give you a picture of what it was like at my house. This is what Jesus does. And this is, what, this is how Jesus comes on the scene. He goes, hey, um, okay, because people are going, hey, Jesus, if you're the son of God, then tell us what God is like. Tell us what the kingdom is like. Tell us what your house is like. And Jesus, he's going, well, I, I got I to play a movie for you. At our house, we forgive. And in my house, we let stuff go. Um, if you were to break down what 10,000 talents is, in scripture in today's economy, it's about $3.4 billion. Jesus is going, just so you know, this guy in the story that owes the master some money, it is an unrepayable debt. Like, there is no way he will ever be able to afford to pay it. But guess what? At our house, that's what we do. We let people off of the hook of a debt that they could never pay on their own. That's what it's like in our house. And he tells this story because Peter asked a question, a question that most rabbis had already taught this. Three strikes and you're out. How many times should we forgive someone who has sinned against us? Most rabbis taught three. Yeah, which makes sense for us, right? Yeah, we, we, you, you, you can cross me once. You're not going to cross me three times. Like, we're not going to get there. Like, that, that makes sense. Peter thinks he's smart. He's like, I mean, <laughs> talking about Jesus. Okay, okay. It's the rabbi of all rabbis. He's not going to say three, guys. There's no way, right? There's no way. Let's do, let's do twice as many plus one. And oh, seven is the number of perfection. I got this, guys. Hey, Jesus, uh, me and the fellows we were talking, we were wondering, how many times do you think I should forgive someone who has sinned against me? Seven times? Jesus God, uh, how about 70 times seven. Hey, Jesus, that's a lot more than seven or three. I can tell you that much right now. This is not good. And if, in case you're not good at math, it's 490. That's a bad number. Let me just tell you why that's a bad number. Because, well, one, that's a lot. And number two, it's, my issue with 490 is, well, as mad as I've been at people in my life, I have never once looked at someone and said, this is the 463rd time you didn't got on my nerves. You got 37 more strikes and we're done. You understand me? Like, like 
you're not that good at math. Does that make sense? Like, like you're, you don't have an Excel spreadsheet on your spouse's wrongs. And you're going, Ryan, you don't know who I'm married to. Trust me, they got records of wrong. But, but you get what I'm saying? Like, like, we're not that good at math. In fact, Peter would have to go, Jesus, <laughs> if I tried to keep track of that many sins, eventually... I'd lose count. To which Jesus is going, exactly. It's exactly what I want you to do. How about this? What if you stopped counting? To which this is, wait, what? He goes, yeah, that, that's what we do in our house. The number is astronomical on purpose. Yes, I, I want to invite you into a life this weekend of walking in forgiveness, perhaps where you stop counting. I want you to be unoffendable, not so that you can never get offended, but so that you can do what you may not think is even possible, and that's moving on. There are four things that I think are vitally important for you and I to be unoffendable, for you and I to walk in forgiveness. Uh, Number one is this. Uh, I think we have to recognize our own need to be forgiven. We have to recognize our own need to be forgiven. Oftentimes when we think of forgiveness, we think of someone else. Oftentimes when we think of offensive people, we start thinking of offensive people. We start thinking, oh, well, my neighbor, I got a couple in my house that are that way. I got some in-laws on their way. They, they, they just booked their flight yesterday. Like you start thinking about colleagues and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters, but when you think about an offensive person, most people don't think, me. (laughs) No one has ever introduced themselves on a date. Hi, my name's Tom and I'm offensive. Tell me about you. Nobody says that (laughs) because it's hard to see offense in the mirror. But guess what? You will never walk in forgiveness of other people unless you get it from God first. And you will also never walk in forgiveness if you don't think you need some. And I just, I, I, love, I love what Romans says. It says it this way. It says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's easy to think, well, I'm easy to forgive. Look at me. I'm, I'm singing worship songs. I'm in church. Like, compared to all of those sinners out there, like, of course. I... But that's not when you got forgiveness. While we were still sinners, while we were enjoying our sins, while you were making the worst decisions of your life, Christ died for We must remember that when somebody sins against us. We have to be able to look at the mirror and go, I need forgiveness. A couple months ago, we had some people over to the house and this guy says, hey, uh, Ryan, I just, I I just got to tell you something, man. I got to get something off my chest. I said, Zach, sure, man, let, let me have it. What's going on, man? He goes, I forgive you. I go, 
but I don't need forgiveness. Like, I ain't do nothing to you. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, I'm awesome. Like, how, what, what, what could I have possibly done to merit you forgiving me now? Like, I, I felt offended by his, by his, by his extension of forgiveness to me. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, man, like five years ago, man, you said something that just really bothered me. man, I, I was just holding it against you, man. I just want to let you know I forgive you. I said, well, what did I say? He said, man, that's the craziest part about all of this. I don't even remember. I said, man, come on, man. But I, I, here's the deal, Christian or not, whether I'm sitting with a corporate executive or a pastor, it's amazing to me how someone can be mad at somebody. And then when I go, so when did this start? They go, you know, that's a good question. I don't even, I don't even remember what they did. It's been so long. If it's been that long and you can't remember, maybe it's time to let it go. And I think only then, when you and I decide to go, I need forgiveness. Not only do I need it, it was given to me when I didn't deserve it the most. And then it allows us to do the second thing that I think is vitally important to be unoffendable, and that's to extend the same grace that was extended to you. I'm not encouraging you to extend grace to the person that is coming to mind right now because they deserve it. No, 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 no. I'm telling you to extend grace to them because you didn't deserve it. For forgiven people have a responsibility to forgive. I'm not saying, yeah, just be a forgiving person just because you're nice. No, you're not nice. That's the point. The fact that you're not nice and somebody gave you forgiveness puts you in a position to say, I'm not even doing this on my own strength. In fact, I had to go get that from a God to make it right with a person. That's why I love one of the Bentry distinctives, which is this idea of Christ indwelling in us, that we are one with him. And if you've never made that decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, I have to encourage you to do it. Because it's very, I wish I had another formula for letting stuff go. I wish I had another formula for forgiveness. I have not found one that doesn't involve Jesus Christ. Because once you have been given something that you did not deserve, it is so much easier to give it to somebody else who also didn't deserve it. And here's what I know to be true about you and me. We've been hurt. And we've been hurt bad. But here's what I believe with all my heart. Our greatest opportunity to be like Jesus is when we've been hurt. WWJD. This is what it's like in my house. And, and again, I know you could go, but Ryan, you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. And, and it, it may be 10,000 talents, 3.4 billion, unrepayable. They cannot make it right. I know. But in our house, we find the strength. We pray for the strength to say, I'm going to let you off the hook, not because I'm a nice person. I'm letting you off the hook. Because somebody let me off the hook. In fact, I love how it says it in the message in the Gospel of Matthew. It says, this is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge your friend has against you. Abandon your offering. If you gave online, it's too late. But it says, leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right then and only then. Come back and work things out with God. Jesus is going, hey, 
You can't have this thing where you love God and tolerate his people. No, it's connected to loving God is actually loving people that aren't always easy to love and remembering we're not always easy to love. You and I have to be those kinds of people that say uh, we're going to extend grace, not even just because we're good Christians. No, we extend grace because we got something we didn't deserve. We won the eternity jackpot, and we, we won the lottery. <laughs> we don't deserve it. And if you do, no one among us can go, yeah, I, I actually think I'm deserving of forgiveness. Yeah, I'm pretty awesome. That's, no, that's nobody here today. And I think from there, I think we can do the third thing that I think is vitally important, which is I think we have to learn to disagree without disrespect. I think we have to learn to disagree without disrespect. You and I are going to have different views on different things, and that's okay. We can have a conversation about it, but it's one thing for me to be opposing to your views. It's another thing for me to be opposing to your personality, to you as a person. And can you imagine if you and I learned the art of this in 2024 to go, hey, here's, I got opinions of just about everything. But just because I'm a Christian and have an opinion does not make my opinion right. Like, I have to step in and go, you know what? I'm 37 years old. I grew up in Chicago. What do I know? I don't know. I'm just uh, like, I'm pretty smart. I read a lot, but, but I also want to make some space for your perspective. Perhaps you know something, have experienced something that's a little bit different than I did. You know what I love about what we're doing right now is uh, there are many things we disagree on, but we all still have the ability to worship together. Like, uh, just out of curiosity, how many of you outdoorsy people? Huh? Outdoorsy people? Touch some sky. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Look, REI folk. All right. That's great. Good to see you. Indoorsy people. You're like, yeah, give me some air conditioning. My man. I like it. That's awesome. That's great. It's phenomenal. Uh, Cat people. Any cat people? There you go. Glad you're here. Thank you for coming. That's awesome. Got a couple cat people. Don't be ashamed of it. You know, some people are like, eh, don't, don't lie. We're in church. It's okay. Dog people, where are we at? Where my dogs at? Roof, roof. Yeah, it's great. Uh, no pet people. You like your house clean. It's great. It's awesome. It's awesome. All my Swifter people. This is wonderful. Uh, Walmart people. Balling on a budget. That's wonderful. Uh, Target people. Target. There's a couple rich people here. That's great. Glad you came. Glad you're here. Frisco's in the house. That's awesome. Um, now, now, this next one is polarizing. I don't want nobody to fight. Please don't throw anything at anybody. We're in church. So I just want you to stay relaxed. I just want to prepare you ahead of time, okay? Um, iPhone people, raise your hand. All the Christians are here. That's awesome. Uh, Android people, where where the green bubble gang came to church. It's awesome. Thank you for holding me hostage in your group chats. I can't leave if I want to. I don't mind downloading four other apps just to get a picture from you. It's great. Uh, and, and here's the deal. It's amazing where we're so far apart. And isn't it amazing that we also can? walk into the doors of a church and go, Christ is my firm foundation. We get to do it together. 
So yeah, there's some things we could go, hey man, I, I can see you got that Android. Listen, I understand God loves you just as much as he loves me. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing what we're willing to do it on, where we're willing to give people a little bit of margin and where we're like, no, 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 it's non-negotiable. What if we just said, man, we're actually here together and it's amazing what we can do together when we decide, I'm okay disagreeing with you, but I'm not okay disrespecting you because of what we have in, in common. You and I have to make a decision of what we're going to do with those people. And when I say those people, it's those people that believe something we don't believe. Some people that vote the way that we don't vote. People that spend money the way that we don't spend money. They don't see the world the way we see the world. What are we going to do with those people that, if we're honest, we view them as our enemy? I think Jesus has the best option. And by the way, you're not going to like it. But I think he's a genius, and I think it's absolutely brilliant. Here's what Jesus says. He says, hey, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Some rabbis actually taught that it was your God-given duty to hate your enemy. Jesus goes, I know what you've been taught, but I tell you, love your enemies, which is like, Jesus, calm down. Whoa, easy. And then he says this next statement. Love your enemies. I'm like, okay, I can get there. But this next one, me and Jesus, we, we got to talk about this because he says, Pray for those who persecute you. Who does that? Jesus. Who does that? Christians. My issue with it is this. Hey, Jesus, I barely pray for people I like, okay, let alone people I don't like. You mean the people that hurt me? You mean the people that are against me? The people that I view as my enemy? Like, those people, you want me to add them to my prayer list? Yeah, because you were added to a list you don't belong on to. Yeah, so yes, I, I want you to pray for those who persecute you. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried this, but it's going to change your life. Because the first time you pray for somebody who you feel like is an enemy, it's going to be what I like to call a petty prayer, okay? It's a petty prayer. Something like, Lord, help them get a full-time job. Help them stop living with their mama house. I don't really like them that much, but Lord, just bless them anyway. <laughs> like, it's just, like you're praying for them, but it's, it's, just, it's just a little petty praying. God sees your heart, so you need to chill, okay? I'm just saying. But, it, but, it's, but it's, it's, you're far from just holding on to bitterness against them. You're just like, all right, I'll just, I'll just throw a little petty prayer out there. But here's the deal. The longer you pray for someone, the more God will break your heart for them. Because then the prayer starts to go. Lord, would you heal the parts of their life that hurt the most? Lord, would you show them that you have a purpose for them? Lord, would you give them divine appointments? Would you knock them off of their horse? Would you show them how much you love them and how full of mercy and grace you are? Now, here's, here's why I think Jesus is brilliant with this. Let's just say God doesn't answer your prayer for them to change. In the process of you praying for them, you changed. Name a better option than what Jesus offers for what we're going to do with them. What have I decided to do? I'm going to add them to my prayer list. 
and it might make me mad, but it'll be very difficult to stay bitter at somebody you are consistently praying for. And then all of a sudden, you change. The best thing that I think that you and I can do when it comes to being unoffendable and walking in forgiveness is this last step that I, I think is, it's just smart and strategic. And it's number four, decide to forgive people before they hurt you. Decide to forgive people before they hurt you. Most of us are waiting for the moment to then decide how I'm going to respond. It's too late. I have already made up my mind how I am going to behave in the future. I've already decided somebody's going to hurt me in the future. Somebody's going to offend me in the future. Somebody's going to say something, drive me crazy. And in that moment, I've already decided I'm going to forgive. Because I love what Colossians 3, 13 says. It says, and I just love this verb. It just says, make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must. Forgive others, make allowance, leave some space, create some margin, have a little bit of grace in your back pocket at all times for other people's faults. Do you want to know why this is also genius on the part of the Apostle Paul? It's because as much as you're thinking of somebody else right now, you are somebody else's Colossians 3.13. Somebody else is going, man, I need that Jesus for, 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 for him. If he would just, whew, Lord, would you give me the grace to give him some allowance for his faults? But we're somebody's, Colossians 3.13. I am. I pray this scripture for my wife every day. <laughs> Lord, would you give her the grace for my faults? And would you help her forgive me on a daily basis? We're all somebody's, Colossians 3.13. And what we hope somebody would give us for our faults is allowance, a little margin. So imagine if you and I said, you know what? I haven't just decided what my holiday season is going to look like. I haven't just decided what my 2024 is going to look like. I've decided what my life is going to look like. I have decided I am going to be a person that forgives before I'm ever even you know what this does? It allows you to be in a position where you're actually expecting other people to have faults. You're expecting people to be offensive. Part of us getting offended so much is we're so surprised by the other person's behavior. Oh, I can't believe they would say that. I can't believe they would do that in a reply. Oh, you can put all my business off to the whole company. I cannot believe she would say that at the dinner table. I cannot believe, I cannot believe, I cannot believe, I cannot believe. Hey, believe them, okay? Lower your expectations for humanity, okay? I'm just telling you, like, just change your expectations. Just walk into work, okay? Just walk into work on on Monday and go, you know what? Somebody gonna act a fool today. I don't know who it's gonna be. I don't know who it's gonna be. It might be you, it might be you, it might be you, but I am ready for, I have trained for this day my whole life. I'm waiting for somebody to say something offensive. And then Tuesday comes, okay, is it gonna be you today? Is it gonna be you today? Is it gonna be you today? And nobody's offensive. You're like, oh, okay, maybe they're taking a break. I don't know what's going on, but it's gonna happen. And then Thursday's gonna come and somebody's gonna offend you. And you're gonna go, you, I've been waiting for you all week. I've been expecting you. They're like, what? I knew somebody was going to be offensive. Ryan said you were coming, and here you are right on time. This is perfect. <laughs> and I've already got grace in my back pocket for you. Why? Because I, I hope somebody's got grace for me, because I might have a bad day on Thursday. 
I don't know. I might be in a bad mood. I might get an email that's frustrating. I might get a proposal that doesn't go through. Somebody might not text me back, and they might bother me, and I might take it out on my kids. I might grow impatient, and I hope on, on that Thursday, I hope that whoever I interact with was listening to this message at some point in my life. And so I just I have to encourage us to be those kinds of people that prepare ahead of time. Get ready for the holidays right now. Stop being taken off guard. I can't believe my in-laws would say that. Believe them. They can't believe you do the stuff you do as well, okay? Like, just make a decision ahead of time and say, you know what? I'm, I am not going to continue to give and surrender my emotional well-being to other people for the pettiest of things. I've decided I can get offended, but I'm not going to stay offended. You've heard about forgiveness. You know that you are forgiven. But did you know that you and I are free, forgiven? This is the beauty of the gospel. You're going to do some stuff that you should not do. You're going to say some stuff that you should not say. But God has already made up his mind about you. He sent alone ahead of time and his son Jesus to pay not for what everything you've done, but everything you're going to do. It's why we call it good news. Imagine if you and I were to copy and paste that into our relationships. Imagine you're just driving home. Hey, guys, I know y'all going to act a fool at some point this week. I just want to let you know. Already forgiven. All right, you're good. Don't worry about it. Guys, I got it. Imagine if you and I decided, I've already made a decision about who I'm going to be in the future. And I think your future's bright if you've got forgiveness in it. And so I'm, I'm going to encourage you today to make some tough phone calls. Maybe you haven't spoken to that person in a long time. I'm going to encourage you to call them, text them, email them, write a letter to them, DM them. Whatever person you've been thinking about this entire message going, Ryan, anybody but them, that's probably the one you want to zoom in on. The one that you actually need God's grace to call in the first place. To make a tough phone call. I know it's, it, it's tough because it's tough. It's, it, some people have to be forgiven from a distance. Some relationships are just toxic. There are some people when it's your brother and your sister and you haven't spoken in five years. I would just submit that maybe you should pray about it. I've heard story after story of people that have made some tough phone calls. I've had people say, Ron, I haven't spoken to my sister in five years. And they've called them in the parking lot of churches. Say, I don't want to leave this place until I make it right. And some people would go, Ron, I just don't even know what I'd say. Do you miss them? Start there. Hey, I miss you. And I'm not sure exactly where we went south. Is there anybody in your life today that you need to forgive? Is there anybody in your life today that maybe you actually are the one that owes them an apology? 
Uh, my father had a second stroke about eight years ago. Uh, then he was on hospice for about two years. And then he passed away six years ago. And here's what I would give anything to hear one more time. Want to go to Walmart? And I would park like a normal person. And I would say, take your time. And in fact, I'll go with you. And let's go up and down each and every aisle. Let's see if they got some new SKUs in here today, Dad. Let's see what, what's new in Walmart. I, I, I have to encourage you to walk in forgiveness and to forgive the people that have hurt you. Because you might not have the opportunity tomorrow. Tomorrow's not promised for any of us. So I, just, I encourage you to be the kind of person that says, you know what, I, it's not easy. But God, would you help me do what's not easy? And again, I, I, I know you're justified because they hurt you and they owe you an apology. But I just got a question for you. What do you think their apology is going to do for you? Like if you envision being this better person, after they apologize, this is great news for you this weekend. You can be that person before they apologize. Oh, and if they never apologize, you can move on with your life and be a forgiving person. And maybe 10, 15, 20 years down the road, they say, sorry, you're going, hey, dude, I, I wasn't waiting 10, 15 years for you to do so. Because I actually got my healing from God and I let you off the hook a long time ago. Thanks for apologizing. I am confident that healing from God can do more for you than any apology from a person ever can. So would you, this holiday season, would you, in 2024, start preparing right now to say, I want to be a person that's unoffendable. I think part of forgiveness isn't actually taking the steps of forgiveness. I think part of forgiveness is deciding that you want to. Deciding that you say, I want to do it differently. I want to be a different person. I want to be a forgiving person. And when you and I decide to do that, I think we make our community a much better place. Where we can have open dialogue and have tough conversations. And I don't have to go below the belt, and neither do you. We can disagree, but we also can move on with our life. And my prayer is that you would be in a community where you extend grace to me, and I would extend some grace to you. I pray that we would make allowance for each other's faults and decide that we are going to walk in the forgiveness that Jesus Christ gave us. My prayer for you is that today as you make tough phone calls and send tough text messages, is that God would be with you and that he would meet you there and that he would give you the words to say to help you truly be unoffendable. God, I thank you so much for this church. I pray, God, that you would help us do what is so hard to do, which is to move on, which is to forgive. Lord, today, we together recognize we cannot do this without you. So would you help us? As we play our part in picking up the phone, 
as we play our part, as we open up the blank email to this person, Lord, would you just meet us there? Give us the words to say. And God, I, I pray that you would give us tremendous wisdom. Sometimes there's reconciliation. Sometimes it's forgiveness from a distance. But Lord, would you, would you help us to be the kinds of people that are walking ambassadors of your gospel and your forgiveness in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say it.